Poker's legendary champions, next generation stars, and tireless ambassadors of the game, sharing their wisdom and guiding your journey to high achievement on the green felt. This is Chasing Poker Greatness with your host, Brad Wilson. Nick, what's happening, my man? Hey, Brad. Good to be back. <laughs> it's great having you back. <laughs> I, I can't say that without laughing because we've done like five of these intros in the last 10 minutes, and I've said those exact same words to Nick. So it feels a little odd for me, but maybe not you, the listener. Um, next episode of Detox Files is Andre to open up I want to talk about the concept of multi-dimensional EV. Could you expand on that before we dive into Andre? It's a cool term. Let's make it simpler to start. A lot of guys are looking at EV in a very narrow way. Like, how do I maximize my win rate? And that's what this guy's dealing with in this consult. He was trained when he came into poker to bum hunt, basically. That's how he was mapping to safety. I'm going to have a high win rate so that I don't expose myself to harsh variance and so that my hourly rate can be as high as possible when I'm playing. makes sense from a limited dimension. But what we start to see when we poke more at his, his overall lifestyle is we find a lot of holes in his schedule where the sacrifices he's making in order to play these really soft games which weren't even as soft as he thought they were, funny enough, relative to his alternative options. Um, we start to see how they were having a negative impact on a lot of other areas of his life. And so we need to sort of reframe his perspective towards life EV. Like, what are you really going for here? Like, you think that this is all about maximizing win rate, but you have you expanded to why? You actually care about maximizing win rate because if you're disturbing all these other areas of your life in order to do that, and I would argue even even dest- potentially destroying other areas of your life, then what are we really fighting for through this narrow dimension of optimization? So this is one of the biggest skills that I see distinguishing a, a low to medium level performer from a really high level performer is his ability to expand his awareness in this type of way and really get all the moving parts in alignment as opposed to overextending himself in one dimension that then creates collateral damage in another dimension. Well, you're also dealing with a cognitive bias, the ambiguity effect where he doesn't know what life is like playing on a different schedule. He doesn't know whether the results are going to be good or bad. And because he doesn't know, He just chooses the safer option of playing when he knows his win rate will be X so that his life doesn't just fall apart and he automatically gets crushed by, you know, the morning crushers, right? Yeah, that's a huge point. And it's what makes this consult so fun because he doesn't know what it's like, but what we do know, and you'll get, you'll hear this like about halfway through is we enter a point where the intensity, the energy in the field of this conversation gets visceral. And there's something profound about it. And the best way I can put it is, I even said this to him at some point, I was like, you don't know what it's like on the other side, 
but I think you know that we're in a very truthful conversation right now. Like we are burning in truth in this consult. And to acknowledge that is the first step of raising awareness because yes, we do not know what the unknown feels like, but we know that we can't stay in a burning building. And in a lot of ways, I think when I look back on my own journey, that is what did it for me. It's like, I was somebody who needed to hit rock bottom and it's, it's one thing that I tried to offer an alternative to the community. There's nothing noble about hitting rock bottom. I end up saying that in this consult, you're going to learn a lesson either way. It's about learning the lesson in the end. And if you're able to be lucky enough to have a conversation, a truthful conversation with someone who's been through the motions. And if you're humble enough to realize that maybe I'm not so different than this person who had all the same patterns as I did and all the same blind spots, you have an opportunity to basically accelerate through a very painful experience of rock bottom, which is going to give you the lesson either way, but you get to decide how much suffering you need along that, that learning journey. Yeah. I love that. I love the visualization of a burning building and it's almost like the building's not even scorching yet. Right. It's almost like, you can just foresee that eventually the building is going to just be consumed by flames and you're offering a lifeline of help before that happens. It's a very compassionate thing to offer. And so with all that said, let's dive in to your conversation with Andre listener. Stay on the line when the conversation ends. So me and Nick are going to wrap it up with an outro. Let's do it. Can we go back to this key, this key sentence that you just sort of rolled over, which was the feeling I got when I was playing the earlier schedule was I'm not beating these games. You said that like a minute ago. Okay. And I, whether or not that's absolutely true, if it feels like, there's less of a chance that I've been in this game. That makes a lot of sense why you would not want to be there. I, I don't think that I'm not beating. I think that it's going to be much harder to beat. But I think it's, right. they are, for, it's true for me that they are still beatable. Right. And what the emotional bias will do is as soon as there's that fear that I'm not beating them for as much, the mind doesn't have the ability to work in that gradient fashion and be like, well, my win rate might only be like 20% less. The mind does this thing where it's like, oh, I'm not beating it. So I got to go back to the other one. It's the only thing the mind knows how to do is counter yes. from black to white. It doesn't have that gradient capacity. And that's the skill that I think sets most poker players apart, especially guys who use the data oriented system really well. Like, you know, you've been through this cycle a lot with thinking bluffs didn't perform well and then realizing the data says they do. This is the same thing. It's just feeling like the bluff's not working and then seeing that the data says it is over large samples. You feel like the games aren't soft enough during the day, but then the data says that your teammates' win rates are almost the same as yours. So it really just comes down to which one do you want to trust and why do you keep reverting back to your feeling on the matter when you have resources that could prove it wrong? I'm just being dumb. <laughs> or, or stubborn, I mean. That's the main thing. But it's, it's interesting to, to see where that reference is stemming from. Like, it's because you have 
aversion. You, you have an unresolved emotional resistance to playing the games that feel tougher. They felt tougher, so you decided I can't be in those because my win rate is significantly less, so I'll stop exploring the sample size that could prove me wrong. For some reason, you wanted to confirm your emotional bias instead of getting more data to overturn it. It's typical, and we're just sort of revealing that that is a, a new level of awareness that you now have that that was a tendency of yours to, to assess the quality of a game too quickly without having enough data to truly say how strong those players were. That's all. So it's not that I want you to go back to an early schedule. It's not like I'm trying to like enforce that on you. I want you to see that you never had a good reason to justify the late schedule. It's like I, I want you to convince me that you should be playing at, at night. And if you can, <laughs> in a, in a <laughs> yeah, logical I, way, I, like, I, let's do it. No, I can't convince you. That's the truth. Right. Is that, that it's just what makes me more comfortable and probably I'm not giving the credit of the, on the things that you said. Like It makes you more comfortable other... in one dimension, in the dimension of how you feel at the table because you have a bias of thinking that the players are way softer. But in, when you include every other zone of your life, you're very uncomfortable on that schedule. Your energy levels are not happy. And, and, uh, why, and why, I mean, I'm not going to make this question, why i mean because i don't think that that should be the case like why this dimension of basically let's talk about poker uh, in in a global way sure why is that the dimension like the first thing that i'm thinking and the first thing because that's the true like i'm doing everything like um, and and um, i don't know the word but basically first poker and the rest i can just reshuffle here and reshuffle there so my first um my first um, instinct let's say yes it's just like care, take care of the the poker time and and about to work take care and of the the game selection you mean exactly right exactly that, so the question I think is shouldn't be like that so i think i should be thinking more on on a healthy like shadow, like waking up in the morning, good breakfast, having more time with my wife, probably in the in the normal times, sleeping with her, <laughs> like so. Yeah. I think this should be more important, probably. But why it's not? <laughs> that's I don't know why. It's like uh, that's I, a great I, question. That's a that's <laughs> a very personally honest question that will get you a really cool upgrade. Do you want me to answer it for you? You want to try? <laughs> Should be I just answering, but I don't know. Like, but I know that it's that's true. Like, well, the I, first ste- the first step of a personally honest question is admit that you don't know why, and then okay. kind of just relax into the frustration around that. And if you do that for long enough with enough encouragement that it's okay that you don't know why you do that, then typically what happens, and this is why I love working with Anki, is because this is what. This is what typically happens when you get an upgrade to a card and when you integrate the a new answer. Something just comes to you from a place that you've been denying access to. So if we just actually settle in and I go Jason Sue on you for a minute and, and we actually just settle into the emotional space of this question of why do I only focus on game selection when it should be apparent to me that there are these other dimensions. 
that I should be looking at that can easily justify win rate upgrades and make me a happier person? Like, why would I deny myself those other perspectives? The first thing that comes to mind from like a, a compassionate space is maybe you just weren't trained to think that way. You, you're in a heavy momentum because you said how you came into poker was like game selection, bum hunt. That was the method through which you tried to achieve success. It was what you knew. That was just the, that was just the, the path that you sort of carved for yourself because it was familiar and it makes sense. It, it does. It makes sense, but it makes sense from one dimension that doesn't include time and energy and relationships and yes. overall life fulfillment. So it could just be that. Is it okay if it's just that you didn't know? Like, what if you just, what if you didn't have enough training in this department up until now? Like, what if it just, what if we just needed to have this talk so that you can raise awareness around how many other dimensions you can be considering so that that naturally just becomes part of your consideration? It doesn't have to be like, why, God damn it, the fuck happened to me that I don't already know this? That's a shaming process i know i'm exaggerating but there's a difference between what i did which is let's ask that question of maybe i just didn't know like what if i just didn't know yet what if nobody just showed me that there were these three other dimensions that i just mentioned that equally affected win rate if not more over time so it could just be that it feels like that is definitely going to be an aspect of it because if you were aware you wouldn't be doing it I don't think you're someone who like <laughs> would see the win rate upgrade in the in introducing other dimensions and then just be like, nope, not doing that. Still just gonna defend this bullshit approach, bullshit limited perspective. But what else? Like, is it does there feel like there's something beyond you just maybe not being trained to think that way? Does it feel like you the only other thing I can think of, not to put words in your mouth, but this feels like it could be a thread we could go down, is the reason you deny thinking outside the box and prioritizing the other dimensions that don't require you to game select as intensely, is it possible that you deny those because you fear that if you sacrifice win rate, it's more costly than it actually is in your mind. Does it feel like sacrificing that win rate might be the difference between you being a winner and a loser? Sure. Because if, if I, if something happened on that shell, I think on this, if something happened on that shell that I, that I like to have, like if things go wrong, like, and let's say two months going break evenish, right. I'm not going to be enjoying like the other dimension of, sleeping with my wife right right and having the normal shadow so i kind of the truth is that i kind of need to have like results and and basically having having um having money to just be be happy that's a thing that i know for sure like so in your mind if we lower win rate we increase the possibility that we go on a two-month downswing in which case we'll be under so much stress, we won't even be able to enjoy the other aspects of life. Exactly. That feels like it would be doing what it's doing to you. <laughs> it feels like a good, a good find to me. That belief, if it's active, 
would cause you to defend this limited perspective. That's a good find, bro. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's as important as finding an extra point of win rate. Like this is the, the reframe really of like mindset resilience is like, you don't, <laughs> I want to teach you how to congratulate yourself for what you just found there. Cause if you can actually honor how valuable that insight is, the upgrade you're going to be able to make from that is way more valuable than you fucking having a 12 BB win rate instead of a 10 BB win rate. When you're running like a mouse on a fucking wheel, you're just burning yourself out. Yes. So the, the insight that you just stumbled upon was that if I make a scheduling adjustment that lowers my win rate, even slightly, I could potentially induce a break even stretch or even a losing stretch because I increased my volatility that could result in me being in a really nasty, stressful situation two months from now where none of the scheduling optimization was worth anything because it resulted in a higher probability that I basically crash and burn. So how do we balance that perspective with something that's way more complete? Well, first of all, we would need to look at the data for how likely it actually is that you increase your break even and losing stretches by subtracting your win rate by 10 to 20%. There's a sequence to this. Like this is the scientific part of this. We find out how much lower your win rate actually should be expected to be. If you switch to the earlier schedule, we use the team database to identify that. Then we run some Sims to see over the course of 50, 60,000 hands, how much more likely is it over a two month period that my results plummet, that I could have a really bad outcome and you get a, a percentage for that. And if you find that it's only like increasing your risk of ruin by, I don't know, five or 10%, I think what you're going to find there, I'm confident that what you'll find is that you're exaggerating how much variance you would be introducing by lowering your win rate by two points, assuming it's already fairly high, you know, assuming it's like what the rest of the teams it's, is. It's, it's around like between eight and 10. Congrats. I'm not having more than that. And that's going to make it way less likely that you're going to encounter the situation that you seem to be afraid of encountering if you drop your win rate by 10 or 20%. So that was the scientific part of it sort of got you to the point where just like you were afraid of losing all your win rate in a game where you weren't losing more than 10 to 20%. I also just showed you how you project that over time to be, well, that, that could result in me enduring variance that makes this whole thing not worth it because then I can't even enjoy my life if that happens. So it's like you're trying to minimize the possibility of bad variance. And the way that you've trained your mind to do that is game selection. Yes. That's the complete picture of it that includes time. Somewhere along the way you said, I don't ever want to go on a two-month break-even stretch. Game selection is the way I'm going to do that. And that's why you focus on that single dimension, even at the fucking expense of playing at 4 a.m. in the morning to try to play on peak which affects every other part of your life. And then you double down on it and say, nope, but it's worth it because I'll never be able to enjoy these parts of my life if I were to run bad. And in order to not run bad, I got to make sure that I have the highest win rate possible. Because I'm going to feel like guilty that I, because here it's just me adapting about to the peak times that I know that they are true. They exist and are these ones. But if I just choose other shell, I can just put uh, guilty on myself because I made the, the, that 
uh, made that choose. So if things go wrong, like with this shadow that I am now, okay, can be variance, can be thinking, but I'm playing on the right time in my mind. But if I just choose to the mornings or so, and things go badly, it, it could be everything like variance, playing bad, and the, the big thing is I made this change, so maybe this is going to be my fault because, and I, and I, I don't want to feel that. I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to feel more of that with a normal shadow than with this one. With this right. one, I'm more okay by just running bad or having poor results. So is it safe to say that by continuing on this late night schedule, you feel like you subject yourself to less guilt? Potentially. Probably. Yes. Yes. Because if you were to shift and then things go wrong, you were responsible for that shift. Exactly. Yes. So we're trying to avoid guilt and shame. Kind of. But I think I should be working on that. Go ahead. Because, because it's, it's, uh, it's just a belief that I have in my mind that I should be just not believing. And before we go down that rabbit hole, I would just like to pause and congratulate you again on getting to a deeper level of this mindset issue because it's worth pausing for. So you want to go to the next fucking solution and all I want to do- and It's always like that, yes. Dude, you, it's fucking noble to be able to identify that thing that you just identified. Like in my mind, I wish I could transplant this into your head. But when you do that, when you actually discover that next level, which was that we're trying to avoid guilt and shame, that's what's driving this entire sequence. I see that as like that moment in a video game where you unlock the next level and that sound goes off like, da-na-na-na. that's what leveling up is. That's where the points are scored. And you think you're scoring points on this horizontal path of mouse on a wheel. The points are scored by unlocking that insight. So take a second and actually just appreciate the fact that now you're at a deeper, you're at a deeper level of that belief system. And you're at the root of it. You're trying to avoid guilt and shame by sticking to the schedule that doesn't require you to change because you're bought into this idea of higher win rate, being awesome, being the thing that keeps you safer, being the thing that reduces variance. So I'm going to give you a different perspective that hopefully counteracts this. I want to create a counterbalance. so that, And this is where we'll probably end the call so that you can actually reflect on this because I think it's going to take a lot of time for you to actually process, maybe not a lot of time, but some silence for you to process what I'm about to say. You're afraid of feeling guilty by changing your schedule and potentially inducing more variance. That's the guilt that you're afraid of. Mm Mm-hmm but you don't seem to see how guilty you're going to be if you continue the process that you've been on. Because the Andre that I know, who's been defending the late night schedule and forcing himself to play volume and really being hard on himself, that's the Andre who's become less capable of supporting himself, less happy, let's just say. You've become less happy through that approach. And you don't seem to have that same guilt around that. You don't seem to see how if you continue doing what you're doing by defending this paradigm, two years from now, your relationship with your wife is going to be affected to the point where you have massive fucking guilt over destroying something that beautiful. 
And I'm being extreme here, but this is going to yes, trickle every. The truth is that I can't see that. I can't imagine, like, I, I have toughness in imagine, like, two years from now with this path, how I'm going to feel. Because and how she's going to feel. <laughs> yes. 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 She's not but getting the best version of you. Yes, that should be definitely. something that you're guilty about. If, you, if there's any healthy level of guilt to be applied to the balance of this, it should be honestly assessing how much it's going to suck to wake up two years from now and realize that you've not been giving your best, the best version of yourself to your wife because you've been defending win rate. Do you really want to live with that fucking level of regret? No. No. I mean, just frame it like that for a second. Like that, that's powerful. I could potentially fuck my relationship up with the most important person in my life because I'm defending a 10 BB win rate instead of a 12 BB win rate. What the fuck is that? That's a blind spot. And it's not even really helping you long-term because if you stop defending this slightly higher win rate, your energy levels are going to go up because all of the zones of your life are going to become more fulfilling unless you want to play that quick objection, unless you want to sneak in that idea that this could make me go broke because my win rate's two points less, which is what you're doing. And then that invokes the guilt that you feel around that path because you're so bought into the fact that win rate is all that matters. So a lot of it is being generated by this you're not seeing how fast you collapse when the mind introduces that objection of like, ah, 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 can't lower the win rate by two points. We'll go broke. Then you'll feel guilty. That's the bluff, dude. You're getting bluffed. Where is the call button? You got to click call. (laughs) Oh man. You got this though. You see this. It's, it's not comfortable and I respect you for actually like enduring it maturely. I can see that it's a lot and it's going to help a lot if you actually respond in, in the incentivized way, which is to, to accept it. It's the truth. You know it's the truth. What I just said painted a different picture of what guilt really is. You don't want that. You don't want that level of guilt. No, I don't. For sure, I not. I'm not. I think it's, it's tough for me to make change, changes. That's the truth. Like um, I struggle in in uh, in uh, in mixing with what which is like comfortable and and doable because I I'm not like super happy with the shadow, but I'm kind of okay. I'm I'm having money. I'm okay with my wife because she's already like kind of uh, customized to this. Um, and other thing is you talk a lot about hitting like bot rock bottoms and and stuff like that and i never hit mine like in any i can say like in anything of my life so i don't know if that should be happening more often with me to just make more change in my life but i live too much in my comfort zone of it's working here so let me stay here and not well let me give you just something to compare this to I had a marriage that failed and another major relationship that failed by the time I was your age. And that happened because nobody sat me down and had this conversation and and increased my awareness around how I was thinking about this. I was doing the same thing you were doing in different ways. 
not introducing the relationship dimension and the life fulfillment dimension and just putting way too much emphasis on win rate and generating guilt around not having higher win rate. So I did that and it fucked my relationships over. And I'm speaking to you from a place that's more aware, but just offering you an invitation. You can hit rock bottom if you want, if you think, if you think there's so much value in that, but I didn't have to go through that. If somebody had this convo with me, I just didn't know. You can deny that this is a true conversation and that's fine. You'll go to rock bottom if you do that, or you can humbly accept that you can course correct and you don't have to go through that. There's no fucking no, there's nothing noble about a rock bottom experience. Sure. It's worth something because you actually wake the fuck up, but it's no more noble than just humbly accepting a true conversation. You're the luxury yes. that you, the position that you're in, the luxury you have is that somebody's actually fucking telling you this. I hit rock bottom because nobody told me. So it's a choice. I, I have I to just, yes, I have to just, just think on this and just appreciate like that I, that I can have like these insights because that's true. I have someone to talk and show me which is best. It's not um, even about better or worse, man. It's oh, about just trying it. <laughs> it. It's honestly just about a choice of how much suffering you want to invoke on the way to learning the same fucking lesson. Cause I'm pretty sure we're both 99.99999% sure that this is a true conversation. It is for sure. I'm just not giving the, the credit about how it's going to be the future like this. It's going to be the it's future either way. This lesson is going to be learned either way. You're either going to learn it through hitting rock bottom or you're going to learn it faster without creating as much collateral damage in your reality. And that's the choice. This isn't about better or worse and shaming yourself into making the swifter choice. It's just about honestly clarifying from a place of maturity what you want. The lesson gets learned either way. Your free will, your relative free will here, if you want to just call it that for a second, is speed, which I think should be attractive to you because you're someone who's trying to fucking get higher win rate to avoid the two-month downswing. Everything that you're doing is coming out of urgency to begin with. Everything you're already doing is rooted in urgency. It is. Last and, call that we have, it was about this like urgency about playing, waking up, and I thought that I should be playing. I should be just doing something. It's all about urgency in my mind. Yes, and, it and it's the urgency of trying to actually avoid rock bottom. <laughs> <laughs> and now I offer you a speedy way to bypass rock bottom, and all it requires is your humble maturity to accept the fact that this is a true conversation, and you have resistance to it. That's really the point that you need to meditate on. It's like, this is a no, realistically, this is a no brainer if you are operating from a incentivized mindset. Unless you hate yourself and you want to suffer. I don't really see why it's necessary oh. once you have this awareness. So that's all that the, the process from here on is just actually Mind. letting this sink yeah. in. Just, yeah. And, and not trying to fight it from analysis, just being like, God damn, that's, that's true. And I don't, have any, I don't have any objections left. It sucks how true that is. It really sucks. This is a very true thing that sucks for your ego. <laughs> I know, yeah. 
It requires change if you want to act on it, and that's your choice. But I do believe the two-year future version of you will will thank you very much on average. What can I say? I can say that I'm going to probably review this call again. Try to put this conversation, give more trueness to, to, to the conversation more and more because it's easy for me to just kind of forget this like with the, the putting the routine again and just like days passing and I kind of, okay, I'm already here and I, I'm not giving credit again to all of this that we talk and you push some things that I'm not thinking at all in my daily basis. Um, so yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make the effort of just meditate on this and that's already like a big effort for me because I don't stop too much to think which is best, how it's going to be like in a long here perspective um, what I'm doing with what I'm doing wrong what I'm doing good like I'm bad on thinking like well, really, you don't give yourself I, enough time <laughs> you just don't you just haven't learned how to give yourself enough time to actually map where you're going and I think what you're doing is great right now by not I know how easy it would be to be like yep Nick I'm on board I'm doing this that's usually somebody who's overcompensating I also know how easy it is to to not do anything at all. So I like where you're at. It's a fucking mature place. It's like, wow, I need some time to actually just let this sink in because that's a place that actually demonstrates that you have an interest in changing. I have definitely. I have. Yes. It's funny that the guy who instantly jumps out of his chair and says, I'm changing today. I get this. I'm changing today. That guy is usually in denial still. That guy's usually trying to give the impression that he's going to change to make himself feel less guilty over the fact that he knows that he won't. He's basically lying to himself because I can change these like in one day. That's I'm sure of that. Like in my mind, I have to, as you said, like meditate and see the benefits. Probably wrote them to not forget them. See the not the contradictory of benefits and just. Yeah, think more on this because I'm not doing that at all. So I'm I definitely you. can't say that I'm going to change tomorrow. <laughs> Please don't change tomorrow because that won't be... It probably is going to take longer for you to settle into this upgrade. And I just want to leave you with one idea. This entire thing is going to come down to how safe you feel taking the the new option. And if there's one thing that you can keep offering up as the only real piece of analysis that you should keep presenting to the scared portion of your mind that wants to stay in the pattern that you're in, it's reminding it that changing on average is safer. The data can show you that because even the dropped win rate, even though it increases very slightly, is not going to be as important as the energy that you waste and the shame that you generate by going down a path that denies this truth on average this is the the highest career path so you all you're doing is reframing ev from micro table session ev to career ev that's the shift here 
And if you allow yourself to actually start shifting that value anchor towards, I want the highest career EV and life fulfillment instead of the highest session table EV, all of this will fall into place. That's really the shift. Yes. All right. And you are talking about daily, you are talking about table um, EV, but I think we can extrapolate to daily EV or monthly EV because that compared with a career life, like, what is one month? What is one year? Like nothing. That, that's the game that will be super useful for you to play in your head when you're sort of meditating on this. Keep extending that time frame in your head and actually seeing like this does not map where I'm thinking it maps. Not if I introduce the level of fulfillment over time and the relationships that I'm going to fucking destroy with the people I love by getting involved like this. You don't want to get more involved in this path. <laughs> you need a new path if you want to be happy and I want you to be happy. So please let me know how it's going. I don't want you to feel like you're alone in this meditation process. Cause it's a fucking super, it's uncomfortable. It's, it's healthy, but it's uncomfortable because it's going to require a lot from you. So reach out to me if you need support. Okay. Thanks. Huge. Thanks. You're welcome. And, and in the uh, meantime, try to, inv- try to enjoy the rest of the summer. Thanks, man. I'm going to try it. You've heard me talk early and often about how improving your awareness while you're playing cards so that you make better decisions in the moment and notice trouble spots that merit deeper consideration is one of the most valuable things you can do to make more money on the felt. In my conversation with the only four-time WPT main event champion ever, Darren Elias, He told me that his ability to shut out all of the distractions in the world and fully focus on making great decision after great decision is his superpower he most attributes to his success. And you cannot improve your awareness at the tables without being fully present. When you learn how to stay fully in the moment on the green felt, you can finally have a clear path to becoming the absolute best version of yourself, which leads me to Jason Sue. Jason is one of the foremost authorities on the planet when it comes to playing poker with presence. As a matter of fact, he even wrote the book on it. Here's a direct quote from Nick Howard at Poker Detox on Jason's ability to help you stay focused. Quote, Jason's work is a new paradigm in poker and performance. End quote. And these aren't just empty words. Nick has put his money where his mouth is by hiring Jason to coach up the Poker Detox crew. And as a loyal listener of Chasing Poker Greatness, you know by now that I would not be promoting anything I didn't 100% believe would improve your poker skills and your life. So if you want to master your emotions and perform at your peak with presence while doing battle in the arena, you'd be doing yourself a grave disservice if you didn't check out Jason's work at PokerWithPresence.com. One final time, that's PokerWithPresence.com. All right, Nick, what's the one big takeaway from this consult with Andre? What I was feeling in the session was an opportunity to go to a really deep level of connection with him, like relatability, because I've been through a lot of cycles in my 20s, now in my early 30s, where there's not a lot of patterns I haven't seen even not a ton of patterns I haven't really explored when we're talking about type A performers. I can usually relate, but 
sometimes there's opportunities where you can deeply relate because somebody's specific life situation resembles very closely what you went through. And that's a, it's a fine balance because you want to be aware that you're not projecting on them too intensely. And you also want to honor the fact that there is a very good chance they're in a very similar pattern that, that you were in and that they're dealing with a similar blind spot and to appreciate that that opportunity, the opportunity that that creates to be able to potentially help them accelerate through that without needing to take on further suffering. So it's always this balance of, is there a chance to upgrade somebody's awareness so that they can sidestep unnecessary suffering? And sometimes I think there is, and sometimes we want to believe there is as coaches. And I think the most we can do is just raise awareness and and pray for them. (laughs) I did want to point out, we talked about it in the pre-call. I love the vulnerability and you talking about your ex. And I think this is something that folks may not always understand in the moment. It's that typically when somebody knows a lot about a specific subject, it's because they've been through it. They've been incentivized to learn. And if it's navigating through suffering with Nick Howard, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that you have dealt with your fair share of suffering in life, which has incentivized you to find the tools to navigate and get through it. Yeah. A friend asked me this recently, what was your incentive for changing? Because we were talking about how my most recent shift has been to develop a higher preference for emotional work alongside analysis and what it came down to basically was I was suffering too much not to change and I think that's a critical point where stubborn people need to get to that level before they truly consider that it's like you're trying to get to the point where you ask yourself a very honest question what are the odds that continuing to push off in the same direction I've been trying to solve life through is actually the right thing to do What are the odds of that? And you're trying to get that down to single digits and then fractions of a percent even. So you can take that leap of faith into the unknown territory that seems so naive or so wrong, just simply wrong from the level that you're currently trying to solve things from. Um, And so I think that's, that's really the type of environment I'm trying to cultivate in a truthful conversation is like, how close are you to that point? And how can we create avenues of, of thought and emotion that push you a little bit closer to declaring something extremely honest? And that's where you make a breakthrough. There's multiple times in this where you hear me say, can we just pause for a second so you can congratulate yourself for going to a more honest level than we've been to so far in this conversation? You hear that when we expose that, he has a guilt thing that's driving all this. That's a deeper level of understanding that's going to provide more potent upgrades if we just actually unpack that. So you're basically drilling. You're drilling into the mind to get to these bedrock levels, these core wound levels that are distorting perspectives to make it seem like there's EV on the table to bum hunt in the softest games at the expense of destroying a marriage. Sometimes you just have to literally bluntly wake them up to that. Um, and then the chips are going to fall where they may, but at least, at least there's been an opportunity provided 
where awareness can be can be glimpsed if you can glimpse the awareness glimpse the suffering in your own life and then you get the lifeline well you know that an upgrade is possible it is optional and you're not just frozen in whatever you think your current options are we'll close out it, it reminds me of something when i was younger and way stupider but thought i knew way more i remember i remember somebody talking trash about a book on marriage because the author had been divorced multiple times and i remember thinking ha huh, what an idiot writing a book on marriage when you've you've burned down two relationships two marriages who's going to listen to this guy and now as i'm older i realize that who better to listen to than somebody who has burned down marriages who has failed and who has suffered and thought about it more than most anybody else on how to make these things work and how to build positive relationships than this human who has failed can we pause there for just a second because it's it's fascinating to me and i hope the viewer believes me when i say this but hopefully they can tell by the the quality with which i'm going to be stunned by this the synchronicity wayne yap who i was just telling you about prior to this call that i want to introduce you to him so you guys can do a pod together he and i are recording another pod and this concept came up like two days ago when we did an episode and i was struggling to convey what you just said i think he put it even more eloquently the concept is basically when you are vetting a new expert in any market, I was saying, I look for the guy who seemingly contradicts his old way of doing things, his old demonstration in that field. Especially, you know, this is especially hard if you have a public platform to say one thing for years and then come back and be able to say another thing without losing massive amounts of credibility to be able to make that shift in a logically consistent way and express why I changed. That's, I think some, that's a trademark of a, a humble pioneer in his field. And what Wayne said that I thought was so eloquent was he said, if you truly understood what it takes to overcome the type of bias that they've overcome to be able to speak about it on the other side, the maturity that it takes to overcome that bias, you would not see this as contradiction. You would see this as maturity and growth and, and wisdom. And so that's my hack is like, before you disqualify someone who writes a marriage book because they got divorced three times, question whether or not you're giving them the benefit of the doubt for having been able to change. Because a lot of times that's what it took for them to be able to write that book. And this is meta, but I guess we'll leave it off on a meta note since this is one of the more advanced consults. Start to see how the inability to give another person the benefit of the doubt for being able to change is actually a projection of your own deep-rooted sense that I cannot change myself. That is a profound level of self-inquiry to meditate on. So I'll leave it there.